Welcome to MedHeads, the weekly show that brings a biopsychosocial focus to issues of the day, along with special guests who will showcase their expertise and enthusiasm about their field of practice. Your host, Dr. Fergal Armstrong. Hello, everyone. My name is Dr. Fergal Armstrong, and welcome to MedHeads. Today, we're chatting with Marie Eisma, one of our regular guests, and we will be discussing trauma-focused therapies. Marie, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Good, good, good. So we've previously discussed trauma, and I suppose today is an opportunity to chat about trauma therapies. So can you give us some examples of what you would see as appropriate therapies to help people who have been the victims of trauma? Yeah, so I mentioned last time the, the psychoeducation is really, really important. Uh, the other thing that I often talk about are the grounding techniques. Uh, when mm -hmm. people are in full flights of their activation of their flight, flight, freeze response, mm -hmm. uh, the common reactions are wanting to get away from that feeling of uh, feeling uh, really distressed, heightened arousal, heart racing, all of those anxiety type symptoms. And so mm -hmm. some of the biggest things I get people to do is be able to uh, regulate their uh, physiology. Uh, so uh, basically doing everything we can to engage from or disengage from those um, often, you know, majorly fearful thoughts that are going on when someone's in the throes of like a PTSD reaction. You know, it's mm -hmm. all happening again. I'm never going to be able to get this nightmare. Um, mm -hmm. And this rep repetitiousness of that whole process. So that bringing um, the techniques of grounding, such as um, bringing people into what they, you know, what can they see, smell, hear, feel and taste, uh, brings people back into what's happening in the present and also engages different parts of the brain uh, so that they can start to feel like they're getting a little bit more control over symptoms. The other thing that I notice too with clients is when they're feeling very, uh, like if they're out of their body, some of the work from Peter Levine talks about even just um, sort of tapping to get a sense mm. of bringing themselves back into their bodies. Um, mm. And then there's a whole range of other techniques such as emotional freedom technique and EMDR, which are two other techniques I work with. Right. But essentially it's that bringing that grounding technique is the first thing I teach. So there's a lot to unpack there. So firstly, you mentioned the idea that, that, that grinding is used to bring people back to the here and now and it's used to control their physiology. So can you describe to us what abnormal physiology means and why does it occur in the context of trauma? So with trauma, someone actually feels like the, the symptoms, like a lot of the times people will be avoiding situations of anything that reminds them of, a, of the trauma or the um, unpleasant sensation or sensations they might have experienced. Um, so you can understand that if people start to want to avoid that uh, going back out and trying to live a human, you know, a normal life in a, as a human, uh, can feel really, you know, incredibly threatening. So if you imagine, uh, for someone who's experienced trauma, the, you know, imagine a, a tiger is chasing, you know, you, um, mm. you know, you're going to have all of those sim the symptoms and the sensations, heart racing, um, you know, not being able to focus, uh, not mm. being able to take on any new information, the sweaty, a lot of those um, anxiety, almost panic type symptoms are what. Uh, people with PTSD or, you know, who have experienced trauma continually have activated in their bodies. So one of so the things that we try to do is get away fight, from isn't that. Isn't Absolutely. that the flight of totally. fight? Yeah. So yeah, basically, yeah, am, I hearing, am I hearing this right? You're basically alluding to 
the signs of and symptoms of a panic attack. Is that right? Yeah, for a lot of people, or if they're not actually having them, they're always so fearful of having those experiences. Yeah. So they've often got quite intense levels of anxiety. So whenever mm. we work on trying to, what I call, and I'm taking the work from Kelly Brogan, um, send a signal of safety to the brain, we're trying mm. to let the brain know that we're actually okay and work with separate parts of the, different parts of the brain that get online mm. to reinstill uh, re a sense, I'm actually okay, I'm not in the trauma, I'm actually here and now, which is exactly what you said before. Right, so grounding is a way mm. of reducing the physiological signs and symptoms of anxiety which occur as a result of trauma. Am I hearing that right? Is that, is that, is that what you're trying to say? So in yeah. that case then, how, give me some examples more specifically of grinding techniques. Yeah, so um, I mentioned before one of the things I get from Peter Levine is around the tapping <clears throat> and just making sure that you're in your body. So essentially we can do things like, you know, you know, a client might be really starting to, oh my gosh, it's all happening again, I can feel it all going on. Um, so what I will actually get them to do is, okay, tell me what, you know, if you, if you look around, what are you seeing? Okay, I'm seeing a wall, I'm seeing the floor, um, I'm seeing a pot plant. Um, I might get them to, you know, to identify five things that they can see in, um, around their area. Again, that means that they're, they're having to use different parts of the brain, meaning they can't be ruminating because if they're too busy then trying to focus on what's happening in the here and now, then they're using different um, mechanisms of the brain. So I might get them to uh, tell me what they feel. So it could be, okay, can you feel your feet um, really anchored into the earth? Can you really feel your feet firmly on the floor? Again, there's that technique of bringing them back into the body. Um, I then, then might be looking at things like, you know, what can you smell? Well, if I've got an oil burning or did you put some, you know, fragrance on this morning, um, looking at things of, um, but, you know, what can you, what can you taste? You know, mm -hmm. oh, well, yeah, okay, I've just had coffee or no, I've just brushed my teeth. Um, mm -hmm. So essentially anything that we can do to, to bring back those, engaging of those five senses are really important uh, in first line response. So if I'm hearing you right, it's the engagement of our five senses which means that the brain cannot focus on its own internal stress. It has to focus on, on processing the information that it's receiving uh, from our five senses. Brain can't 100%. do two things at once, is, is that right? It can't do two things. That's right. right, so it can't be activated into our, you know, oh my goodness, this is all happening all over again. Um, I'm not gonna mm. be able to survive this. It can't get into the internal dialogue right. and, the, and the mutterings and the ruminations yeah. if it's now focusing on what's going on in the present. Right. So, so that's if very, it's focused, well, very well captured. captured. If, yeah. if it's focused on the external, it can't focus on the internal dialogue. That's right. And that's essentially what grinding techniques are. Is that, is that what you're saying? Yeah. And the consequences mm -hmm. of that is it brings everything back. Like, you know, the, the, breath, the breathing will stabilize. Uh, mm -hmm. the, um, the heart rate will start to settle. Just anything mm -hmm. that brings us back out of those horrible symptoms that a lot of people feel like they're there, you know, mm -hmm. they just cannot get away from. Right. So if we're basically diverting mental energy away from the amygdala into various other sensory uh, functions in the brain, that's, that's I, right. I think I think that's what I'm trying to trying to say to you. So grounding is one technique to deal with the physiological aspects of trauma. So, it, and I suppose the physiological aspects of a trauma response are 
more so the manifestations of the psychological experience. So it's not actually yes. treating the psychological experience, is it? Tell us a little bit about the psychological experience in trauma. It's that fear, it, you know, for a lot of people, it's, you know, it's distrust of other people. Uh, it's around uh, that being, you know, easily um, aroused. It's, it's just essentially not feeling safe. Some people won't take on certain new roles. They'll stay stuck. They won't, um, they'll just essentially avoid and, and, you know, people's careers have been compromised by the impact of things like trauma because psychologically they are so fearful of uh, having another, you know, another series or um, circumstances or events play out that they actually can completely avoid situations. And, you know, if someone's like a, um, so, you know, in answer to your question, the, the psychological things, is, as I said, the avoidance, it's that fear of I'm, I don't have any mastery over this. I'm doomed to keep living this uh, repetitious cycle over and over and over again, even though intellectually I realise I'm not, you know, in combat or I'm not in the motor vehicle accident or I'm not being um, sexually assaulted. The body tells a different story and it's this constant mm. battle between this is what the emotions are telling me and intellectually this is what I'm, what I'm trying to yeah. tell myself. So, yeah. yeah. And the emotions win over the intellect every time. Absolutely. It does yeah. all the time. And that's what yeah. that's what makes it so damn frustrating for people. Yeah. I mean, I think of <clears throat> I think of the of, of, of our central nervous system very basically on three levels. I think of it as the the lizard brain. And then yes. on top of that, we have the mammalian brain. And then on top of that, we have the human brain. And the lizard brain, I regard as kind of, you know, the basic biological functions in the medulla and the, and the um, pons, you know, your breathing, respiration, et cetera, et cetera. The lizard, so that's, that's the lizard brain. Then I think of the mammalian brain, which is basically the limbic system, the emotional uh, regulation or dysregulation part of the brain, and then the human brain being the cortices and how we think. And, you know, the mammalian brain overrides the uh, human brain all the time you know the the emotional response to events can overwhelm us uh, if it's not uh, dealt with it's more That's, powerful and, and and exactly what you speak about is exactly what i go through with clients <clears throat> because when we understand the different functions of each of those parts you know we can actually start to help people um you know, understand that their body in some the most bizarrest of ways is actually operating effectively. It's just being triggered inappropriately a lot of the time. And, and yeah. that's, but again, if we don't understand, we just feel like our body's just, bur you know, uh, turning on us and is, uh, you know, almost setting us up for failure. And until we actually understand the relationship of those uh, three different parts of the brain, it, it makes it a lot of sense. And you can see the relief yeah. when people go, Oh, that's what's happening. But you are right. The emotional part of it will buy, you know, that will constantly keep hiccuping before yeah, we can work with yeah. the, you know, the other parts. Right. So I suppose psychology is actually, I suppose I actually have to modify what I've just said because psychology is, I think, a way of teaching the, the human brain, the cortices, methods to actually distract from an overfiring mammalian brain. Is that fair to say? Yeah. Yeah. So yep. actually you can tame your mammalian brain with the appropriate psychological techniques. So we've discussed grinding. We've discussed how psychology overwhelms our emotional brain, our, our, our mammalian brain. 
uh, to cause all of these physiological phenomena and to cause us to feel in that uh, fright or flight or freeze mode. What other therapies are, are out there that you can uh, tell us about that, that help with trauma? You've mentioned two in particular. You've mentioned EMDR and emotional freedom technique. So w w let's talk about yeah. EMDR first of all. Yeah, so EMDR, as I understand, has been recognized by the World Health Organization as one of the first line interventions for trauma. And right. essentially it's um, come it from a work of um, eye movement, desensitization and reprocessing. So it That's came from the work of Shapira. I oh, know, I know. So if I break it down, essentially, um, it, the way that it was explained and it was trained to me is that our, our memory networks, if you think about sort of a, a circle and it's divided into three parts, when somebody experiences a trauma, the memory networks store it in either, you know, in a, in a couple of different ways. But one is sort of the sensory, um, auditory, visual, um, kinesthetic component. So that kind of sits in one third of that circle. Then the other part of the, the memory or the, the trauma is stored in the meaning, the personal meaning that we attach to it. Um, so it could be things like, uh, I'm out of control, I've got no choice, I'm vulnerable. I should have done something different. And then in the other third is the somatic experiences. So the somatic or the emotional responses. And so if you think about that sort of circle, so this is what they refer to as like the adapted, uh, the adapted memory or the adapted learning um, information learning process. So basically it's, it's like this. And what happens is when we've got a trauma response, so when we've got a, a trauma that's kind of stored that way, any one of those three uh, networks can sort of link us straight back to experiencing a trauma all over again. So if you think about somebody who has a, a meaning, like their personal meaning during the attack or an assault or a trauma was, I don't feel safe, mm. um, I'm, I'm vulnerable, mm. that so if, a, if a manager says to an employee, right, I need to see you at three o'clock today, can you please come in? Even though that has nothing to do with the trauma they may have experienced a while ago, if it interferes with that or starts to resonate on that same connection, it's possible that it will stir up an anxiety or a, a trauma reaction again. Does, does that kind of make sense? Or if yeah. somebody starts all of a sudden getting their heart rate up because they're at the gym, but their body, they start to make the linkage back. Oh my gosh, that's what happened when I was chased by, you know, a gang of, of youths who wanted to, you know, steal me from my Reeboks. Mm -hmm. Then you've got that same reaction going on. So again, mm -hmm. it's completely separate to yeah. the original experience, but yeah. the brain goes, oh, 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 that feels familiar. And then it stirs yeah. up a whole process yeah. all over again. Yeah. So tell us about the somatic, because you told us about the kinesthetic, the meaning. And then finally, give me an example of how the somatic uh, triggers occur, uh, function. Yeah, so the somatic is essentially what's happening in the body. So it's that um, not in the stomach, it's that feeling, that sinking feeling, it could be that heaviness, it could be like, I feel so light, I don't right. even feel in my body. Uh, so they're the different networks that we're trying to kind of connect with. So that's right. the adapted information processing. All right, and what about the kinesthetic then? So the kinesthetic is essentially um, the, you know, the, the way it's, it's kind of, it's the kinesthetic is sort of what's, what you're sensing, um, what, what you're doing, 
Uh, it's more around those sorts of things. So is, would that, I mean, if we're talking about the, the, the analogy of having running away from someone who's about to mug you for your Reeboks, the kinesthetic yep. would be the, the feeling of running on the ground fast, you know, the, how your feet felt in the shoes, that kind of thing. Whereas yeah. the somatic would be your heart rate going up uh, and your breathing going fast. Uh, and, and then the meaning would be, I'm, I'm threatened, you know, I've got to get away from this. Is, is that fair enough? That's right. Yeah, right. precisely. So, I suppose another another way of emphasizing what kinesthetic is, is, you know, I suppose it's the feeling of your, your joints, your creaking joints, you know, if you've got arthritis, I suppose that's more somatic. Uh, you know, how do you actually uh, know where your fit, how do you know where your foot is in, in terms of your body, in terms of your knee or your ankle? Or in fact, how do you know where your hand is in terms of your mouth when you're trying to feed yourself? That's kinesthetic awareness, isn't it? Yes. How everything's yeah. connected, interconnected. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, go on. Those are the three processes of sensation. How does that relate to trauma? Or EMDR? So, as I mentioned, yeah. So, as I mentioned, any one of those networks uh, can be a way of uh, signifying or sending a false signal back to the body that there, there's a threat or there's an imminent yeah. risk or yeah. they're not safe. So. You know, when we do work with EMDR, what sort of came from, um, okay, so generally if we have a trauma, we will have a, a set of unpleasant experiences. We may be able to talk to our friends, talk to a teacher, talk to somebody else about our experience. However, if we experience that event to be so shameful, to be so uh, compromising to our ego uh, that we feel uh, ashamed or we feel that we've failed somebody or any of any whole range of things essentially what will happen is we may then decide not to talk about it or if we go to talk about it and people are so busy we we might just think oh look it's okay I'll try it but what tends to happen with trauma is a lot of people don't want to uh, you know something that's a yucky experience they don't even want to have to think about it they want to ignore it so what tends to happen and this is you know the the offerings from the work of Shapira she was sort of saying that Normally when we go to sleep, our brains will start to uh, go through the REM process and, and the different sleep cycles and somehow we wake up the next day and our brains have been able to kind of, you know, compartmentalise things, sort things out, uh, digest them, put them in a way mm. that somehow makes sense. Often what's happened with trauma is our sleep cycle ends up compromised. We may not have been able to talk about it with anyone during the day. We've then tried to go to sleep. We can't sleep where, you know, because of the activation of the flight flight response, we can't uh, go into those sleep cycles properly and essentially nothing gets processed. So it's, it's sort of the, um, the way it's explained is that it sort of sits in short-term memory. So it sort of sits more at the front rather than having moved back across into longer-term memory. So therefore it sits ripe for any sort of activation of anything that connects with the original trauma or even something that the brain makes the linkage with. So therefore right. we get constantly activated. Right. So EMDR is basically a way of working through that process. And so what, uh, I mean, what I do you actually do? You know, what, what does it mean? What is okay, eye movement so, desensitization? So the, the, the work indicates, Essentially, it's to do with the um, eye movement processing. So it's what they refer to as um, bilateral. So bilateral stimulation can be anything from um, essentially an EMDR where sitting opposite somebody yeah. um, 
and they're we're getting them to watch a sequence of eye and um, hand movements and the person's eyes actually follow just like they would if they were actually in sleep so what we're doing a lot of people have you know understandably uh, avoidant of wanting to work on the trauma they don't want to because it's like if you're going to make me have to relive it yeah. I don't want to have to go through that. The natural uh, response is to avoid that. So yeah. what we what we do is we we do get them to talk about a certain section of the memory, but at the same time we're doing the eye movements. Which um, what tends to happen is the arousal response comes down, and when we when we're doing EMDR well, so EMDR can be done as I said with um, eye movements and yeah. hand movements. It can be done through bilateral stimulation. So it could be something like butterfly tapping. Um, with young children, I might use a, a wand or a, a magical wand. Uh, it could be even just tapping of the feet. So essentially, it's anything that gets that um, the bilateral um, brain stimulation. And what tends to happen, it's, it's, it's hard to sort of explain, but what if somebody has a, a if their level of uh, what we call the SUDS, we're, we're always gauging the SUDS score. So, you know, the SUDS is that subjective units of distress and we're asking a client when they first have that memory or that image comes to mind, they might say they rate it as a nine out of 10. It's so distressing. It's so unpleasant. Um, what we do is when we're doing the um, eye movements or we're doing the bilateral stimulation, uh, we get them to sort of just go wherever they want to go, just like they would with dreams. If you think about when we're dreaming, no one's in there. Um, directing the quality of the dream. We're not getting actors on board. We're not um, having someone script it. We just essentially let our brains go where they need to go. So EMDR, we allow the person to go through the same process. So, you know, I might say to them, okay, what's happening now? What are you noticing? And they might say, well, I'm noticing that the train's slowing down. And I might say, okay, just so stay with that. So we just let the brain go where it wants to go. But what ends up happening rather amazingly is that where the distress was originally sitting at a nine out of 10, it's now down to a zero and there's no there's no experience or the the body's clear so there's a whole process that i i, I couldn't go through in space of sure, half an hour sure but uh, what happens is essentially people will go back and you'll ask them to to go back to the memory and they'll go it's vague or it's distant or it's out there somewhere it doesn't feel anywhere near as close anymore and that's the relief that people really enjoy from uh, emdr so what I'm hearing is that bilateral stimulation or bilateral eye movement distracts the brain from the rawness of a trauma memory, allows some form of free flow thinking, which then puts that trauma memory to bed. Is that a very, is that, a, is that an appropriate but crude way of summarizing what EMDR does? Yeah, it allows the brain to, uh, so generally processing, you know, yeah. could still be in effect 24, 48 hours after an EMDR session. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah you, you know, you have this unbelievable ability to make it succinct, but that's exactly what it does. It right. allows the brain to reprocess it and move it from short-term memory to long-term memory, which would have right. essentially happened if the situation when the original trauma had have happened, if the yeah. same ingredients were there, it would have been able to do that. All right. So let's move on to emotional freedom technique. What is it? Mm. Okay, so emotional freedom technique is a sense of, it's basically tapping. So if we, we often know that there is a thing called acupuncture. And so yeah. a, a really good way of understanding EFT is to liken it to emotional acupuncture. So what we right. tend to do is tap on certain parts of the body 
uh, at the same time. So it works a bit different. Um, with cognitive behavioural work, we work on the cognitions and then the cognitions tend to change the behaviours. EFT tends to work on the emotional reactions and therefore the cognitions change afterwards. It works in mm. a completely different way. So the way EM, uh, EFT was explained to me was, you know, you imagine whippersnipping down weeds, um, mm. which basically just keeps the lawn tidy or the, the weeds at bay. But mm. EFT actually removes the weeds. It removes the, the weed, the plant, the essentially the, the weed, roots. the roots and everything. Yeah, yeah so it's, it's a different process. So uh, that's a very interesting concept comparing EFT with CBT. So in CBT, the cog altering the cognition alters the emotional response and the behavior. But what you're saying here with EFT is that altering the emotional response alters the, uh, the upstream cognition, which then means that with EFT, it's not actually necessary to rehash the trauma. I mean, that's what a lot of patients fear. Like, Look, doc, I just don't want to go into it. It was too painful. But with EFT, the actual trauma and the actual cognitions around it and the fear, et cetera, et cetera, don't matter. All you're worried about or all you're trying to deal with at the moment there and then is the emotional response and tapping that away, basically. Is, is that what you're saying? Yeah, and it's, it's actually really you know, amazing because, you know, I did three days worth of training and, and actually using a lot of EM, uh, sorry, EFT for uh, emotional eating. And it's really interesting how once it's cleared from the body, it it's not there. There, It just is not there anymore. It's it's quite liberating. Right. It's, it's actually, so, yeah, the, the relief is massive. So let, let's just... Let me just, as a, as a layman in terms of psycholo psychological therapies, let me just put this into my mind. Tapping. Tapping on the body does what? Yeah. It, it, ten, it tends to release blockages that are in the body. It's, look, when I, first, when I first heard about EFT probably three or four years ago, I was a little bit, mm. yeah, but there's it actually got such a... a it sounds very, you know, woo-woo-ish and stuff like that. However, it, it, you know, I actually watched, there was an interview of four uh, veterans who had, you know, everything from PTSD to major depressive disorder to substance abuse disorder to panic disorder, generalised anxiety. You know, wives were about to walk out the door because they couldn't cope with the emotional volility in the house. It was like chaos. Kids couldn't talk because it'll set the, the father off. And it was fascinating to watch the the process from these four guys who you know couldn't even sit in the chair properly. Their their symptoms were so horrendous. To interviewed a couple of days after, there's a technique that they use in EFT called um, tell the story, and you see them you know a day or so after having experienced the EFT, and not one of them met clinical criteria for any of the um, symptoms that they originally had. Right. It's yeah, so there's a so, huge following in that. Yeah. All right. So, so okay. So it's not mumbo jumbo. It it does work. No. But talk me through exactly what happens. I still I'm still not clear. So here I am. I'm sitting in a chair. You're my therapist. What yeah. do you do? What do I do? What what's going on? Okay. So like with EMDR, we we would be asking about you know what's the level of distress. So we're again scoring the suds. And if yes, someone says, and it's fascinating a, to you. The so severity a, under so the severity units of distress. Severity. So, right. 
severity so, units of distress. So it's basically, you know, if I'm scoring, say, pain, you know, it's fascinating. You know, a lot of people are like, oh, what's she going to do? Okay, talk to me about this, you know, EFT stuff. Yeah. And the best way that I've worked and got clients to do it is I'll ask them if they've got any pain. And they'll right. go, yeah, I've got a stiff neck, slept dodgy last night, or, you know, I've got a bit of a headache, or I've got some, you know, arthritis or some pain in my knee or my elbow, and I'll get them to rate it. And right. it starts off as a seven, and by the time they're done, it's a zero, and they're like, what? So right. essentially, um, again, we're using the SADS, and I will get them to uh, tap on a karate chop point, which is essentially here. And I'll get right. them to tap there. And what this works on is psychological reversal. How many times have you seen people who say, yeah, no, I really, really want to give up smoking, but, and then there's a little chime at the back that's going, oh, I don't know about giving yeah, up that. I don't know right about, time. you know, yeah. so it's not the right time. So the, yeah. um, the karate chop point tapping actually works on psychological reversal. And that right. just means that we're, we're working on the back of the brain so it doesn't buy into those stories. But essentially right. we're tapping on certain points of the body yeah. and uh, talking as we go through that. Well, what are we and talking we're just about? Letting, Am I just tapping my karate chop point? No, so it might say something like, even though, okay, so an example of that would be, even though I have this incredible pain, it's a seven out of 10, I totally accept. Now, some people will say to me, I cannot say, I totally love and accept myself because they just can't say it. So what I might say is I accept and I'm open to learning to love myself. So I'll get right. them to say that three times. Then I move them on to um, the different, um, it's connected with the meridian points, but essentially there's different parts that we tap on right. and it brings down the cortisol levels. So research has actually told us that when we use EFT, we can bring our cortisol levels down by about 35%. They had to rescore the original test because they thought there was something wrong with the uh they actually thought there was either something wrong with the the way that the the testing was done but then right. they repeatedly repeatedly yeah. repeated the testing right. and it came up for the same results so um, so just, emotional so eating yeah go go so if i just if i can just summarize that for the moment right so we're tapping on various parts of the body which are related to the meridian points and we're, yep. we're, we're using mantras to, such as, I, I am open and, fr and free to love myself. So and that's that... in your setup statement, but the tapping would actually be something like all of this pain, I have all of this pain. And I think right. what I love about EFT is you're voicing what's going on in your body anyway. Right. You know, okay. you can't dance. I, I think the psyche is a bit too smart. It knows if you're feeling crappy. It knows if you're right. in pain. It knows if you're, you know, if this is causing major disablement or causing incredible frustration, if it's become, right. incoming, becoming incredibly limiting in your life. Um, so you're voicing all those things. There's, there's something about it actually hitting the air when your voice, when you can actually have your voice and your words hit the air saying, you know, this is terrible. I hate this. My life, I'm suffering. Then what happens is we rescore the we rescore the suds and we'll say to someone, what are you noticing now? And more often than not, people will say, well, it's not a seven or not a nine anymore. It's down to a three. And then what I'll do is I'll get them to say, okay, so even though I still have this pain, so we're using the word even, so we're not fooling the brain. We're going to say, hey, look, the brain still acknowledges this. We're not going to dismiss that. It still acknowledges there's some pain. We then go through another round and what happens is it usually goes from a three down to a zero. And it's cleared. It doesn't, it doesn't come back again. So, Marie, thank you so much for your pearls of wisdom as usual. We've discussed the responses to trauma and the therapies that can be used to help with trauma. We've discussed grounding technique, EMDR and EFT. I really hope that we can talk again soon. Thank you. 
no problem. Thank you. That's all for today's show. My name is Dr. Fergal Armstrong, and I look forward to your joining with us again soon.